Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. I've had a subject on my heart to share with you uh, for a little while now and just uh, just been holding it off until I felt the time was right and I just felt the Holy Spirit bring it to my attention this week. And so uh, I wanna share to you today around the subject, faith that remains. Faith that remains. You know, uh, in our church and certainly in our movement, we talk a lot about faith and I love that. I love that we are a church that believes in the miracle working power of God. I believe that, uh, I love that we're a church that believes that God is intricately involved in our life, that He cares about the things that we're going through and what's happening and that He, he has supernatural power that He has made available to us. I love the fact that uh, we get to serve under great senior pastors, Pastor Ashley and Pastor Jane and Pastor Josh and Pastor Shana who lead us by faith who aren't afraid to take some big steps to operate out in those deeper waters where, you know, if the Holy Spirit doesn't come through, we're in trouble. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that their faith and their trust in God has now seen us being able to plant seven campuses here in Adelaide, four in Atlanta, one in Solo, Indonesia, and many more to come because their faith, their trust in God enables us not to settle and not get familiar, but to keep putting our faith in God, keep believing him for big things. I love that we're in a church that is saturated in faith. I believe that's one of the key reasons why we continue to see people finding Jesus Christ, why we see miracles take place, why the church is continuing to grow because we come together, we bring our faith and we trust in God. And I love that. And I believe that our faith pleases God. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 6 that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Therefore, it's also true that our faith pleases God. That encourages me because it means that when we come to God and we say, God, I need you. Like we were singing this morning, my God, my God, I need you. He finds pleasure in that. He says, thank you for trusting in me. Thank you for not turning to something else, but in your time of need, coming to me, trusting that I'm able to sustain you, to bless you, to help you. He loves that. He finds pleasure in our faith. That's one of the reasons why I wanna encourage you every time we gather together, come with an expectant heart. Come full of faith because it's pleasing to God. Not only is an atmosphere of faith attractive to us and, and pleasing to God, but it's also allows the Holy Spirit to do what He desires to do. I don't know if you've ever been uh, to the Botanic Gardens in, in Adelaide here, but if, if you go to the Botanic Gardens, I haven't been there for quite a while, to be honest, but in the Botanic Gardens, there's this big greenhouse. And this, if you enter into the greenhouse, what you'll discover is there's certain plants and flowers in that greenhouse that you can't find anywhere else in the garden. And they're thriving in that greenhouse, and it's amazing. Uh, but the reason for that is because that greenhouse has been built to house a particular atmosphere where those particular plants and flowers can thrive. And you know, I believe it's the same with our relationship with the Holy Spirit when we create an atmosphere of faith around our life. And in our church, we create the atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can thrive, 
where He can do what He desires to do, where He can move with power, where He's not restricted. I like to say where He feels right at home. You ever stayed in somebody's house uh, for a period of time and, it, and it, it's not quite your home? You know, as much as they try to make you feel welcome and, and say, hey, you know, just, you know, just treat it like your own home, you never quite feel like you're at home. Like you, can't, you can't just put your feet up on the table or sort of, you know, lounge around in your tracky dacks. Like, you know, you just go to the fridge whenever you want. It's not quite the same. But then you're in your own home and you feel right at home and it's like, you know, you can let your hair down you can, you can eat whatever you want. You can watch you know, the TV whenever you like. You know, there's that sense that when I'm at home, that's when I'm truly myself. You know, I, I wanna be the type of person that has an atmosphere of faith around me where the Holy Spirit, He just feels right at home. Yeah. He's not restricted. He's not hindered. He can just do what He desires to do. He's just like, thank you. And it's just, He just is able to flow through our life. You know, I, you know, I was talking to a, I was having a conversation with a young adult um, quite a while ago now and, um, and she was chatting to me and she was, she'd been in church for quite a while. She'd been coming regularly and um, enjoying church and connected in well. And, and as she's talking to me, she said, you know, Tony, I, the last little while that I've been coming to church, I, I've, it's, it's been okay, but I haven't really been getting a lot out of it. And I was getting frustrated by this. She says, you know, I just felt like I was just going through the routine. And she said, I started praying about this and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, next week when you come to church, I want you to come with a, with a faith that God has something special for you. And so she said, the next week I came to church and I came with that in my heart. God, I'm just believing you have something special to me, for me today. And she said, Tony, you wouldn't believe it. It just completely changed my experience. She said, it changed the way that I worship." It changed the way that I, I lent into the Word. It, it, it changed the way that, that, I, that I was present in that moment because she said that faith in me, that decision made me now, instead of just sit there, actually made me look for the moment. Be hungry for that moment when the Holy Spirit, when God would speak to me or when God would touch me. And she said, it just totally changed my experience. You see, God is always the same. We said it multiple times this morning. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means He's always speaking. He's always moving. He's always present. He's always wanting to, to, to bless and, and move powerfully in our life. But what this young adult discovered is it wasn't until she adopted a posture of faith and expectation did she become aware of it. You know, I'm concerned that sometimes and no one here this morning, and no one watching online today, but I'm concerned that sometimes, sometimes we can get caught in the trap of coming to church and spend more time scrutinising than we are expecting. And not realising that adopting that scrutinising posture may be the very thing that's hindering us from encountering God. I don't know, I don't know if you've ever uh, looked at the difference between the temperature of the earth to the moon. You probably haven't because you have a life, right? But I come across it one time, right? I happen to come across it one time. The difference between the temperatures on earth and the temperatures on the moon. And you know, you, it's actually, they're actually very different. And it's interesting because the, the, the earth and the moon are relatively the same distance away from the sun. 
Now, the temperatures on the earth, as I read and, and studied on this, is that, <laughs> not for that long, but I did have a look at it. <laughs> on the earth, they say on average, it gets up to about 25 degrees during the day. And then at night, it might drop down to around an average of, let's say, about 12 degrees. So in a normal day, you probably see a temperature difference of between, say, 12 to 15 degrees between the day and the night here on Earth. Now, what's interesting is that on the moon, it's very different. On the moon, during the day, it can get up to 107 degrees Celsius. But at night, on the same day, it can drop to minus 153 degrees Celsius. That's a 250 degree difference in one day. Or maybe it's around that anyway. Like imagine trying to pack for that trip. Like that'd be very difficult, right? Now the reason why the temperature difference on Earth is so different to the temperature difference on the moon has all to do with atmosphere. See, the Earth's atmosphere in one cubic centimetre of the Earth's atmosphere, there are one billion, billion molecules. In one cubic centimetre, there's one billion, billion molecules in the Earth's atmosphere. But on the Moon's atmosphere, in that same one cubic centimetre, there is only 100 molecules. So on Earth, in one cubic centimetre, there's a billion, billion molecules. On the Moon, there's only 100. And so here's what happened. The sun, the sun is projecting out its rays, it's projecting out its heat. And what happens is when the sun hits the earth, it doesn't actually warm up the surface of the earth. But what actually happens is as the sun's projecting out, those one billion, billion molecules per cubic centimetre in the atmosphere actually captures it and traps the heat in and it creates like a warm blanket around the earth. And that's what heats it up. But whereas the moon because it has little to no atmosphere at all, when the sun is projecting out, what happens is the heat hits the surface of the moon and just bounces straight off and it's not able to trap, it's not able to capture what it is that the sun is projecting out. Here's what I, if, you've, if you stayed with me then, congratulations, you get, you get an A plus, right? But here's what I wanna say this morning. In a similar way, God is always projecting things out. He's always speaking. He's always wanting to move with power. He's always projecting out His presence, His love, His goodness, and His grace. But it's when we create an atmosphere of faith. When we have an atmosphere around us that's full of the molecules of faith, then we are able to capture what it is that God is wanting to deliver to us. Otherwise, sometimes we can miss it because we're not able to retain or capture what it is that God has for us. That's why you can have two, two people, you can have two people be in the same meeting, encounter the same presence of God and each walk away with two very different experiences because one entered with faith and the other entered with apathy. You remember that time when Jesus went to his hometown and he went to his hometown of Nazareth and, and I believe he went there with an intention to do many miracles in there, to, to turn that place upside down. I mean, it's his hometown. You always have a bit of a soft spot for your hometown, right? 
He's doing all these miracles in his other place, but he goes to his hometown. He's now fully into his ministry and the Holy Spirit's moving through him powerfully. And I'm sure he had an expectation to come and I wanna bless my friends. I wanna bless those that I've grown up with. I wanna deposit something in my hometown. And then when he gets there, it says in Matthew 13, verse 58, it says he did not do many miracles there. And the reason being because of their lack of faith. What if there are things we're missing out on because of our lack of faith? What if there are things the Holy Spirit wants to do in our midst, but He feels hindered from doing because we've got too familiar? We've just gone through the routine. See, see we look at people in Jesus' hometown and we think, what a missed opportunity. There's Jesus Christ right amongst them. He's there to do miracles. He's there to minister to them. And their lack of faith and they missed out. What a missed opportunity. You know, it, it, would, be, it would be a shame for people years from now to look back at us and think, what a missed opportunity. What a missed opportunity. I don't want to miss what it is that God's doing. Church, I wonder what could happen each week if we made a decision that we would step into the presence of God. We'd step into worship. We'd step into this gathering full of faith. All together, believing, expecting for God to move amongst us, for Him to, to save people's lives, for Him to touch and minister to people, for Him to speak into our life. I wonder what we could see happen. I, I think we could see God do some amazing things, amen? And so I love, that I'm, I'm, I love that I'm part of a church that inspires us to have faith in God. Faith for miracles, faith for breakthrough, faith for the sudden intervention of the Holy Spirit. I love that so much. But at the same time, at the same time, I'm also aware that faith for miracles Faith for the suddenly of God is actually only one facet of faith. It's only one facet of faith that God encourages us to operate in and there are actually other facets or if you like other types of faith and perhaps even ones that are even more important. And one such type of faith, and we don't always talk about this that often, but I think it's so important, is what I call enduring faith or faith that remains. You see, enduring faith is a type of faith that remains and persists in seasons where the suddenly of God isn't showing up. Enduring faith is a type of faith that continues to trust in the goodness of God even when you're struggling to see His goodness outworking practically in your life. Enduring faith is a type of faith that says, I'm going to keep worshipping. I'm gonna keep serving. I'm gonna keep trusting. I'm gonna keep showing up. I'm gonna keep putting God first, even when that thing I've been believing for isn't shifting in my life. Enduring faith is a type of faith that says, I'll continue to believe that God is in control even when I have no clue what He's up to. Enduring faith is a type of faith that when my healing hasn't come, 
when that door I've prayed for hasn't opened, when nothing seems to be working out as I hoped it would, that it keeps me from turning away from God. You know, in the society we live in today, the prospect of having to endure is not a popular one. In fact, in our modern times, everything that's invented and all the new ideas is actually about making our life easier, less painful, things happen quicker, less costly. Rarely, rarely is it ever the case where the purpose of a new invention or an idea is aimed at making something we dislike last longer or cost more. Or create more suffering or more discomfort. It's always about making things easier, making things less costly, less painful. You know what? And in most situations, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy about that. I don't know about you, right? I mean, just take for example, I'm thankful that a trip to the dentist isn't like it was back in, say, the 1800s. Right? right, for instance, if you had to visit the dentist back in the 1800s, your dentist most likely would have been the local barber, right? The same guy who cut your hair was working on your teeth, right? Give you a lot of confidence, wouldn't it? You know, because back in the 1800s, dentistry wasn't even like a, a specialised practice yet. It was just something people dabbled with on the side, right? In fact, I found a couple of images to share with you what dentistry would have looked like back in the 1800s, right? Like, you know, there's mum. Got a sore tooth, mum, all right? This one I love, that's awesome, right? You can take that down. We're already afraid of the dentist already, right? So next time, next time you have to go to the dentist, right? Be thankful that we've been able to invent ways where we don't have to endure it like people did in the past, right? But as fantastic as technology has been in coming up with ideas and, and inventions that have helped to make things quicker and easier, and more cost effective. The side effect is, the side effect is that it's caused us to be accustomed to expecting things to be quicker, easier, and less painful. And when they're not, we get upset. We get frustrated, we get, we get angry, we get disappointed. And the thing is that if we're not careful, this thinking cannot only translate to what we expect of services and products, but this thinking can also translate to what we expect of God. We can have this expectation that he should always do what we ask and when and how we want and it will be quick and it will be cost little and it will be painless. But you know what I've learned? For some reason, it often doesn't work that way. <laughs> In fact, more often than not, God ends up doing something or how he ends up doing it can be totally different to what we're thinking. You know, I actually believe that one of the signs that you are maturing in your relationship with God is when the way God responds is not the way where it was quick or easy or painless and we're still okay with it. Not in the case that we don't get emotional about it or we don't ask God why because that's okay. But in a case that just because it, it costs a lot, and it was painful, and it was difficult, and God didn't come through the way that we thought that He might, it doesn't cause us to then question the character of God or doubt His love or His 
goodness towards us, that we still remain faithful. You see, I think it's really important to remind ourselves, and we, we all know this, but to remind ourselves from time to time that being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, doesn't mean that all of a sudden life becomes easy or void of any problems. Because that isn't what Jesus promised. In fact, what Jesus promised is found in John 16, 33. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus is saying to us, Right now, right now you live in a broken world and you will continue at times to feel the effects of that brokenness. There will be times when you'll deal with sickness. There will be times when you deal with sorrow. There will be times when you look around at others and you go, they're doing so much better than I am. And it will be confusing and it will be painful and it will be exhausting and it won't make sense as to why. But when everything is said and done, the one thing you can be sure of the one thing you can hold on to that no matter what happens to you in this life, in the end, my promise to you is that as long as you stick with me, you'll come out on top. So take heart. Don't lose faith. Because in the end, everything will turn around in your favour. There's a psalm, there's a psalm in the Bible, Psalm 73. It was written by a guy named Asaph. He was commissioned by David to be a worship leader. And in this particular time of Asaph's life, he was wrestling with a, a dilemma. And the dilemma he was wrestling was this, as he was looking at those who didn't serve God. He, he's looking at those who, who didn't care about God at all, who were living a lifestyle totally different to a believer, who were just you know, hedonistic in their lifestyle, just wanting to do whatever we want. And he was looking at them and he was saying, hang on, they're, they're, they're doing really well. They're, they're financially well off. They've got nice houses. They don't even seem to have a care in the world. He writes in Psalm 73, three to seven, he said, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem, they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. You know, that's a modern translation, right? Anyway. And then he looks at the believers, such as himself, who have chosen to live for God to serve Him, to lay down things, to put Him first. And He's like, how come our lives don't look like that? How come we're dealing with so much pain? How come we have all these struggles when we're serving You, God? That, that should be us, not them. Why are we going through so much? And He begins to have this moment where He questions, have I chosen the wrong path? Is this, this life of a believer of serving you, God, did I, did I get it wrong? And he says to God in Psalm 73, 13, he said, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. 
He says, I'm doing everything you asked of me, God. I'm putting you first. I'm serving you with my very best. I laid down everything and surrendered to you. And yet these people have done none of that. They don't even care about you. And yet here I am dealing with all this stuff. And here they are with not a care in the world. You gotta help me, God. You gotta help me understand what's going on here. Because this doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't get it. And, and I feel like, should I just walk away? And as he's in this struggle, in the midst of this struggle, as in the midst of this anguish, God gives him a revelation. One that totally changes his perspective. It says in Psalm 73, 17, he says, then I went into your sanctuary, O God. Then I went into your presence and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. It's like he's saying, oh, now I get it. I've been so silly, I'm so sorry, God. I realise they're not more blessed than me. Sure, on the outside, it might look like they have everything going on and it's all good, but in the end, in the end, they're not more blessed than me because their destiny is one of destruction where mine is one of joy forevermore in the presence of God. And he finishes the Psalm and he writes this, he says in Psalm 73, 27, He says, those who desert him, talking about God, will perish. For you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. He's come to the understanding that his joy isn't found in what he has in life, but in who he has in life. And he recognises that no matter what happens here on earth, no matter how difficult, how challenging, how heart-wrenching and breaking things become, because sometimes they do, he recognises that in the end, nothing can take away the blessing that God has waiting for him on the other side of eternity. And for him, that revelation changes everything. I wanna encourage you that if you are in Christ, that same truth is yours to hold on to also. Yes, we go through some extremely tough seasons. Yes, we deal with some things that are painful, that are frustrating, that are crushing. Yes, it's difficult to understand why some things don't move, don't change, don't shift when we, we pray and we ask and we're like, God, I don't understand. And other people are getting their breakthrough and other people are seeing that victory and other people, yes, but whatever happens, whatever happens, the hope is that we always have is that in the end, we will come out victorious. James 1 verse 12, it says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, as a follower of Jesus, it's so important 
that we appreciate that there will be times in our life where we encounter hardship and heartache, but it's so important at the same time, we don't allow the enemy to use that to drive a wedge between us and our relationship with God, but that we continue to put our faith in Him and the understanding that in the end, if we stick it out with Him, we win. Amen. We win. Come on, let's praise Him this morning. The keys can come. You know, in the Bible, when it comes to enduring faith, someone I look to next to Christ, of course, he endured the most, would be the Apostle Paul. I tell you, his life was anything from easy. In fact, his second letter to the believers in Corinth, he describes for us some of the things that he faced while serving the Lord. He says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, he says, I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've travelled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts and on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Yet amazingly, despite all this, I mean, one of those things would have been enough. Yet despite all this, he gets to the end of his life where, you know, you'd think he'd just be relaxing, but he actually, he's under house arrest. Not even the end of his life was easy. He gets to the end of his life, he's under house arrest and he's penning what we know to be his last ever letter to his spiritual son, Timothy. We know the letter as 2 Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, he's reflecting back on everything that's happened in his life and all those struggles and trials. And he writes this in 2 Timothy 4, 7. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the fight. I have kept the faith. And what Paul's telling us, he's telling us that through everything he went through, all that he faced, all the hardship he endured, his faith in God remains. Which is amazing because people go through a lot less and walk away. So my question then is how? How did his faith in God remain? How through all that did he remain Faithful, keep trusting, keep believing, keep putting God first, not waver in His faith in God. Well, I believe, I believe we get a glimpse of one of the reasons why through something he writes in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 to 9. He says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. I wonder if maybe some of us have felt like that in this last season. I feel this is too much for me, God. This is beyond my limit. I'm not sure I, I, I can go another day. We thought we'd never live through it. In fact, 
we expected to die. But as a result, but as a result, we stop relying on ourselves and learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. Do you see it? But as a result, I thought I was going through this for no reason, God. I thought that what is the purpose of this season? Why am I doing this? Like there's so many other things I could be doing. If, if, if I wasn't held back by this, I could be being fruitful over here. I could be doing this, pursuing this. Why am I having to go through this? But as a result, I had a moment. You had a revelation. See, what Paul realises is that whenever he kept the faith, it always resulted in something significant. It always resulted in a deeper revelation. It always resulted in a deeper understanding. It always resulted in some fruitful outcome. In this case, it resulted in him learning that he could rely even greater on God. Now, little did he know that him having faith that remained would result in a lot more than that. Because the fact that he kept the faith has resulted in millions of people over the last 2,000 years looking at him and being encouraged in their faith too. I wonder who in your world could be encouraged by you keeping the faith. I wonder who in your world is watching what you're going through and looking at how you respond, how you react, who you turn to in that moment. See, I know when we're amongst it, we sort of tend to just sort of focus on ourselves, And I understand that because sometimes it feels like we're just trying to survive, just keep our head above water. But, but I wanna encourage you today, sometimes our moments of greatest pain God can use to be our moments of greatest impact for the Kingdom of God if we just keep the faith. If we just stay in that place where God, I don't understand, but I believe that You are good. I believe that You are faithful. I believe that You care and You love me and I don't understand it all, but Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I just trust and hold on to You because that is the anchor for my soul. I know that in the end, it works out that you got me. In Psalm 27, David is reflecting back on a season of his life where he couldn't see the goodness of God at work in his situation. He's looking back, he's like, there was that time where I just couldn't see it, God. I couldn't see your work, I couldn't see your goodness. And then reflecting back on that, he writes this in Psalm 27, 14. He says, here's what I've learned through it all. And this is encouragement that He's speaking to us and to you today, especially if you feel you're in a season where you're enduring. He says, don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for He will never disappoint you, amen. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. 
and He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.